0: God. I am going to... Uh, this song is pretty good. It kind of got me fired up. I'm going to read something to you if you'll indulge me for a moment. This is from a book called uh, Heaven and Beyond. And it's by a guy named Michael Phillips. And uh, thinking about this, the thing that I mentioned about the... Uh, In just a minute, we're going to go back and we're going to review the Christ in us, the hope of glory thing that we looked at a few weeks ago. We've had a lot happen between then, and so I want to do a little bit of a review. We had the Jewish group come, and and we had the election, and we have all kinds of stuff. But this is like super, it's just super powerful and super amazing to me. But in the course of times, I've been reading a few books from time to time, And I read this one, and so here's what, here's what this is about. This is a guy going to heaven. And he, uh, he died, uh, strange circumstances, but he died, and he's been meeting the Lord and all this kind of stuff. And one of the big revelations is that heaven is not a long way away, someplace. Now we know that, but we don't know it. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't live like that. So anyway, the guy gets to heaven. And there's all kinds of connections with earth. And then the Lord is beginning to show him those connections by actually, and this happens all the time, in this fiction. And this is a fictional account. It's not like anybody had a vision or anything. It's a guy writing a book. But um, the Lord took him back to his town, and he's able to walk around with the Lord in his town. But in this particular segment, and it's not always like this in the book, but in this segment, the people can't see him. He can see them. And he's... He's kind of in heaven time. So it's stretched out or sped up or slowed down, whatever's necessary for him to see what he needs to see. And so, uh, he had stepped into this really busy, uh, mall store. So the very air of the store was suffocating in a stressful energy of anxiety, impatience, edginess, irritation, and unpeace. I stood staring at each face. Time slowed. I saw into everyone on whom my eyes rested. The hubbub of noise and commotion receded into silence. It was the way of heaven. I was able to enter invisibly into earth's life, but none on the other side were aware that heaven was in, through, and all around them, permeating them, interpenetrating and saturating their lives. How could they know that the earth and heaven were not separate at all, but occupied the same universe the same space, the same life. I walked about as if I'd entered into a, the heart of the moment. I could move and I could think. Yes, about me no time went by. It was between time, or I was. I beheld the faces anew. I should say that their face were revealed to me with new eyes of seeing. Was this what the Lord meant when He used the word so frequently, behold? As I moved invisibly among them, the people in the crowd market Crowded market slowly changed before my eyes. Out of the hurry and frustration I saw emerge here and there radiant expressions of childlikeness. An elderly woman, for example, full of wrinkles, back stooped and humped, hair of pure white, gradually stood up tall, erect, strong. Her hump disappeared. She was transformed before my eyes into a spectacular and beautiful young woman of 30. Her calm face, serene, quietly joyful and full of love, Somehow I could not exactly tell why she reminded me of the girl with the kittens. He had seen a little girl with kittens as he walked into the store. Almost strange thought, as if I were seeing the same person at different stages of life. But not all the changes were pleasant to behold. As I watched the woman with wonder, a man came up behind her. He was perhaps 35 or 40 years of age, his acidic face twisted with aggravation and annoyance. Get out of my way, you old fool, he barked, crowding past her. You're taking up the whole aisle. There are other people trying to get around the store, you know. The crippled woman, ancient to his unseeing eyes, glanced up and returned his caustic words with a kindly smile. As I stared at him, the man's face grew hard and cold. Years suddenly passed before my eyes like second, and age consumed him. Bitterness deepened his eyes. Wrinkles of anger crowded one upon another, and his skin white and splotched with brown cancerous spots stretched thinly over a gaunt body frame. Bony frame. Within seconds, he stood in front of me, stooped and feeble, decrepit and ugly. A scowl of animosity on his face and a foul and offensive odor poured out of him. It was the putrid smell of death. I turned away in disgust. All about such transformations were taking place. Slowly, I made my way through the source, sickened and marveling at once. Some individuals were metamorphosing into nothing less than angels. Others became grotesque and hideous demons. Small children turned into radiant beings of peace. Others were transformed into aged, pitiful, malodorous creatures that revolted my senses. In their midst, I beheld an ethereal, semi-transparent figure of white. He or or she, I I can tell, was gliding silently and invisibly among them, speaking yet without a sound. The robed phantasm, apparently robed in white, though again I, I couldn't actually tell, was speaking into regions within each one where listening did not proceed from the ears, but from the deeper realm of consciousness. At first I thought I was seeing a ghost, and in truth, it turned out I was not far wrong. Some turned toward the unseen voice, seeing nothing but sensing impulses toward right, toward goodness, toward kindness. Others, however, were heedless of the unheard urgings of the heavenly specter. They went about their business unmoved and unchanged, by the strange encounter. Even as my eyes followed the figure, I knew that he or she was likewise speaking to me. Deeper than thought, deeper than emotions, deeper even than conscience, confirming, testing, illuminating, goading, guiding, convicting, calming, reassuring, and quickening life within me. It was the voice of the Spirit, revealing the Father and Son into the lives of humanity in a myriad of individual ways. I knew that same spirit had been within me, speaking and illuminating truth throughout my life, pricking my conscience towards right, goading, and impelling me as all men and all women and all children toward righteousness and toward the divine fatherhood. For a moment, the translucent specter vanished. A few seconds later, I saw it reappear, emerging out from a lonely woman, walking the aisles with a look of desperation on her face. I knew in a moment that the spirit was not merely speaking to her, but had entered deep inside her, Comfort and heal her aching heart. It now came toward me. I knew it was gazing into me, but the whiteness was too bright to see its face. Warmth emanated from its approach, the warmth of comfort and reassurance and peace. The white ghost of heaven entered into me and filled me and inundated me with pure light. I was swept inside its life, even as it filled my own. I felt the presence of the Father and the Son, each speaking in a language beyond words, their individual revelations to my soul. God above, God beside, God within. Three were one, as I was one with them. And the Lord's words, words reverberated in my being. May they be one, as we are one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. That they may also be in us, I and them, and you and me. That they may be perfect and perfectly one I was swept away in a rapture of joy to be one with my maker I knew I was praying though no audible tongue of man but in the silent language of heaven that they were likewise speaking to me I thought that was super cool when I was thinking about the blessing I thought about it it got to that place where beside me, above me, behind me and and then I was thinking about what we've been studying about, about trying to understand what the Scripture says. And I think that's the wrong approach. Uh, I feel like I I realized that I had imported that idea into it, what we've been doing. But to try to receive, to try to be impacted by the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Uh, because I know it's so easy to try to parse it up, So I want to review what the scripture says about it. And then I want to do my best to just touch base with you and, and let's talk about it. So if you, if you got, if you got ways to think, talk, we got a mic and I'm totally into it. So this is week three. If you remember the first week, we looked at uh, what Paul said, we'll review that about when it pleased the father to reveal Christ in me and then. Then we went on and looked at at the propensity that God had to work inside people. I don't know if you remember that, but we'll get to that. So our challenge and our goal is to see as the Father sees. So that's why I, I was just actually when I was read when I read that the first time I started bawling, I was like all snotty and teary, because it just seemed so real. And tonight I was just thinking, as we were singing the song, that that's why heaven has to be more real than our image of it. it has to be. Otherwise, we wouldn't, there would be nothing to have an image from. There'd be nothing to tell a story about if it wasn't real. Substance of it. Our challenge and goal is seeing the fa- as the Father sees. Christ revealed in us and us revealed in Jesus. Now, neither one of those has ever been a mystery to God. Only a, it's only been a mystery to us. The mystery which was hidden in long times past and, and has now been revealed is a mystery to us. But the Father never... His, his, his vision never... Wavered. His heart never thought that that might not be the case. So here's here's where we started. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me. And remember, I had those uh, big Greek uh, boxes full of stuff. Anyway, I just made the, the notes in blue, so just remind us. His son in me, en imoi, moi, en, 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 en. We'll see some other words, but in me. So that I might preach him, and it says among, but it's en tois ethnesin, in the Gentiles. Now, there's going to be a scripture we're going to come up on that's going to take away the challenge of trying to say, well, is it in or is it among? Is it in or is it among? So, don't worry. Here's the Colossians one. The mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifest to his saints. Raise your hand if you're a saint. That means we know. It's been revealed to us. To whom God willed to make known. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Ein tois ethnesin. Same phrase exactly as to preach him among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you. Ain humain, ain humain is you, plural, the hope of glory. We proclaim, I don't know, humain is, that humain is not plural, actually. That means you, singular. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. So that's the starting point where we're confronted with the fact that the mystery that's being revealed is not a story about Christ, but the story of Christ in us. Jesus says, that we will know the mystery of the gospel, Christ in us. Him in us, and us in Him. Now, this is the verse that solved the dilemma that I had of trying to be super anal and say, well, is it in, or is it with, or is it among? Okay. John fourteen sixteen 16-19. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. That's talking about the Holy Spirit, of course that he may be with you forever, that is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you, that phrase is para, who mean, and will be in you, ain, who mean, the same thing Paul said when he said ain, who mean. Okay, so now what we have, and that's, that's the reason I wanted to read you that little vision of the Holy Spirit moving around in that store from heaven's perspective First at one moment with someone, in the next moment passing into them to reveal something, to speak something. And then with another, and then in one, and then into, you know, like that kind of thing. So the job's been established, and the access has been created and declared and revealed from the moment that Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father, because that's what he. are here. So wait for the promise of the Father. He is abides with you around here, and among us, and in you. Okay? Now, I don't know exactly how to explain that, but when this guy wrote the fictional account of it, it seemed like it made a lot of sense. I mean, he's a spirit. We have a spirit. And so, in and out, it's not the issue. But it it doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean that it isn't happening right this second in this room and in rooms all over the place down at the Cristola Bar wherever people are defying the gathering of COVID restrictions on the buses, in the cars wherever, other churches Okay, in you and with you and then Jesus said I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you after a little while the world will no longer see me but you will see me and because I live, you will also live too. So this whole thing is about life, relationship, and everything. And then, of course, John 20, just uh, an, an, another verse down, is, is the one that sort of seals and, and, and uh, crystallizes the deal so that we can know what we're going to know. And he says there that in that day you will know that I am in my Father, en-ho-patri, en-ho-patri. And you and me, su ain moi see the ain? and... I in you. Kago is uh, a combination of the two Greek words uh, and I. So that's what the whole phrase is really, is and I. Kai, ego, en, en, humin. Same word. When God was pleased to reveal his son in me, in the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory, among and in the Gentiles, I'm in my Father, you're in me, And I'm in you. Now, this isn't just the mystery of the gospel revealed in the Gentiles. It's not just how God facilitated the evangelization of or the drawing of the Gentiles. It is literally also the mystery of God himself made human. And so, in the beginning of the gospel of John, in the word... Became flesh. Kaiho Logos sarks Eganeto. Eganeto means to become or to work, to be made. It was a thing. And then dwelt, and it says among us. Now, did Jesus dwell among us? Yeah, he did. And this is, this is why he was fulfilling the, the same function that the Spirit was. Remember, he, he said, we'll see it in a verse in a minute. He said, uh, uh, all you are thirsty, come to me. And drink and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This he was, he spake of the Spirit who had not yet been poured out because he'd not yet been glorified. So that means that the ministry that the Holy Spirit was engaged to do once the Spirit was poured out, Jesus was doing in and with, in and with. And, and, and he said that himself. I'm not saying that. He said that even though you don't know it now, which was the case in the conversation in John 14, you don't know that when you see me, you see the Father. You don't know that I and the Father are one. And then when he prayed, that uh, the prayer that this guy referred to in his book is in John chapter 17. We studied it just about a month ago. Father, that, that as you are in me and I'm in you, that they may be in us, that they will be one and perfected. This is all history. Authoritative history. History of Scripture. History from the very mouth of Jesus. And so, uh, this is not just the mystery of the plan of redemption or evangelization. This is the mystery of redemption. That the word became flesh and dwelt in us. In us. Wow. Okay. Now I did this saying the second week. This is a long review. Sorry. But, uh, we're just going to get to one point. So it's okay. Uh how did this get applied? And I tried to make the case that there's this idea isn't just a unique idea based on one scripture or two scriptures in Paul and Jesus declaration. This is how God worked. This is how redemption came to the earth. In the beginning, this was uh to Mary and behold the angel was speaking to her. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. What's so special about a woman conceiving in her womb? Well, uh Probably is special, more special than we give it credit for in our country and in our culture. But it was special because it was God in us. God in humanity. Wow. Not God in humanity to try to pull something off. God in humanity because that was how redemption came to the earth. That's why they made the announcement. That's why the angels were mystified. That's why the heavenly choirs were speaking and singing. God has a propensity. He has no aversion to being in you and me. Pretty cool. It kept continuing. Jesus said, you know, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in. Now, again, I don't know why. We used to do this as a Pentecostal group, but it says in. It's the word ain right there. It's translated with in a lot of them but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And in fact, they were. They waited those 40 days, and then in the upper room, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In I need to check where John says, I baptize you in water, but there'll be one coming after me whose uh, sandals I'm not worthy to unlatch, who will baptize you. And I don't know whether he says with fire or in fire. I'll have to check that out. My guess is it's probably in. To be consistent, but nevertheless, it is in here for sure. So this is again why now I don't have to isolate. This is just is Christ in me, and I mean the Holy Spirit's going to be with you and in you. Jesus was in us and with us, among us, and so that's just the operational plan. And that's why I love that little picture. There's heaven wrapped around Earth with the Holy Spirit coming and going, bringing the Father's revelation and the revelation of the Son into the lives of people. Some of those people hear it and turn. Others of them don't hear it at that time and continue to do the damage that that self-centeredness and and ignorance and blindness and darkness does. Humility and receiving is part of this, but it leads to an end thing. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink, he who believes in me. Uh, Now, that is interesting, because they say in there, but it actually means into. It's the word ace. Ace, say me. Ace does not mean in. Ace is a movement word. It means into. Jesus said the same thing when, when they said, what do we have to do to work the works of God? He said, this is the work of God, that you would believe into, ace, into the one he sent. The damnable thing that we've done theologically with Reformed theology and substitutionary theology is we have created a language that takes the most intimate word there is, which is in, and turned it into an abstract proposition that it really means from out. It means consider the proposition of Jesus and then believe what you consider. And that's how we're supposed to be saved. Jesus told the Pharisees that you, you, uh, search the scriptures thinking that in them you find life and they are that which testify of me, but you won't come to me. That's a journey into his presence to receive life. And I'm telling you what, there's a whole lot of people that believe in what they believe about Jesus and they don't know Jesus. Yes, Ronnie? Which one? Oh, it is? Oh, very cool. Yeah, excellent. Look at the Greek guy. Nice. Anyway, but where the end comes in this passage is that, that out from, that's what ek means, out from, his, in, in the New American Standard says innermost being. I don't know, I wouldn't translate that way. It means uh, Koilus. It means belly or your gut. Out from your belly your colon <laughs> out from this area will flow rivers of living water. The point is not the imagery of how it gets out. The point is that it comes from within you. It comes from within you. Okay? I also pointed out that in the last of things, God's still dealing in us. So this is the new heaven and the new earth. I saw no temple in it, and outta in it, the new Jerusalem or the bride the lamb for the lord god the almighty and the lamb are its temple and where are they there will be no longer any curse and the throne of god and of the lamb will be in oute same word there's no temple in oute but they're in oute the throne of god and the lamb are in en- And His bondservants will serve Him and they will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and there will no longer be any night and they will not have need of the light of the lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord will illumine them, meaning the servants who will serve Him, and they will reign forever and ever. Why is the Holy Spirit not mentioned as being in the city? Right, because Jesus said... The Father will send you another helper who will be with you and in you forever. They will reign forever and ever. The Holy Spirit is in those that are that city. Isn't that cool? In. It's in from start to finish. Redemption started in reinvaded earth. In. Adam became a living being because the breath of God was breathed in him, not on him, in him from the start. This has been the plan of God, so this is it. Now, does Father see the mystery of the gospel as Christ in those he loves? I know it's kind of a weird question, but I think he does. And that's what I'd like to talk about in part. Does the Father view, even though it's not a mystery to him, does he recognize that that thing that has been held as a mystery is in fact Christ in us? And is the Father's anticipation of the glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, filling the earth like the waters cover the sea, based in the fact that Christ is in us? I think so. I think he knew that's what it was. Okay. So here is the, I, I didn't want to get overly teachy, and I've already done that kind of. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the love of the anointed constrains us, having reached this judgment that one died on behalf of all, all then have died. Now I don't have time to go into Greek on that, but The best way to think about that translation is just what it says. Christ died for all, therefore all died. And Paul says, after considering everything that's been revealed to me and to us, we have come to the judgment that because Christ died for all, all died. As a result of that, from now on, We know no one according to the flesh. No one according to the flesh. And then he went on to emphasize it by saying, we even knew Christ according to flesh one time, but we don't know no anymore. We don't know one according to flesh. And then the, the declaration of the message, okay, God was in the anointed reconciling the cosmos to himself not accounting their trespasses to them. Most of us have grown up under a gospel message and a theology that supports it, that you have to deal with your trespasses and stuff, your sins, so that God can come in you. Or at the very least, the way you deal with those trespasses is you invite him in you but this is nothing to be found in the scripture it's just how we have tried to make this because we started with sin and separation instead of the plan that god demonstrated was his propensity all along yes richard
1: um going to my thinking straight here okay before any of this could happen The Son and the Father had to deal with the darkness or sin. In order to do that, he had to go to the cross right. to take on our darkness, our sin. And as he did that, when he died, we died. I believe that's what it says. When he rose, we rose. I believe that's what it says. And when he ascended, we ascended. I I believe that's what it indicates, and that's where all of this comes from. Yes. Yeah.
0: Now, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand how this retroactively goes back and applies to all the Old Testament saints and stuff. Although there's indication in Scripture that it does, but I don't want to get hung up not knowing how God works in and around time, and lose sight of the fact that this is already a finished work in our time and in our lives. And in everybody that's around us, he's already done this for everybody. Now, the other thing that I and,
1: didn't go into, let me, and, let me, oh, go ahead. And, and the darkness is what, the, the sin, the darkness is what blinds us to the relationship of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I believe so. And, and
0: even the awareness, the present. That's what I liked about this sort of fictional account is that the Holy Spirit was right there in the middle of that store in the everyday common people's lives going through issues. And the one could sense or hear or at least respond to the nudge to word righteousness and the other couldn't. Uh, but yeah, I think the darkness is what does that, and the, and the kind of independence. Now, stay there just for a second, because this is the last passage I, I got up. Therefore, we are ambassadors of the anointing's behalf of such a kind that God makes supplications through us for the sake of the anointed. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Why? Be reconciled to God because this work has been done in and with you and on your behalf. And it's not just here that it says it. Jesus says in John chapter 12, if I be lifted up, if the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all to himself. Uh, Paul says that God has transferred you from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of the Son of his love. The domain of darkness. Now, there's still blindness, there's still uh, alienation and engagement and evil deeds, Paul says in Colossians. But the work that all this is based on is a work that was conceived before the foundation of the world, by God, and, and the Son was engaged to, to do this for us, and to draw us into Himself. I really believe so, because look what it says. For our sake, He made the one who knew no sin into sin. This is why it's understandable, but foolish, to let sin be the driving issue of redemption. Sin is required. I love the way Dan Muller said it. Uh, people say Jesus uh, came to die on the cross. And Dan says, No. You guys remember? He says, Jesus came to get heaven back into us and to get us back into heaven. He had to die, and it had to be a it turned out to be a bloody mess because of sin but but sin was never the defining factor it was only the obstacle the defining factor was the love of father restoring and
1: reconciling his children and that the uh, in uh, gospel of john first chapter the light of men is what that is what the holy spirit is working on to bring that light further yeah. out so that we can understand who we are And where we came from.
0: I think so. And I think the reason it seemed hard for me at first is I was trying to parse it up into a role that Jesus played, a role the Holy Spirit played, not realizing that the very life of Jesus, the very light that he was, that life became the light of men, and that's what enlightens. So what the Holy Spirit brings when he's doing this or she's doing this in and with thing is literally the light of, of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the Word of the Father. It's literally the redemptive purposes of the Father. And if you if you read John 14, 15, and 16, you'll see all the, this intertwining going on. The, the Spirit takes the things that the Father's given the Son, and He gives them to you, makes them known to you, recalls them to you. It's a work in our mind. It's a work in our heart. It's a work around us in our life and circumstances. And so, um, that's why... I feel like this consideration is so important and that we need to try to embrace it without turning it into a doctrine that we have to categorize and understand, every aspect about. Now, I'm not saying... Uh, I think there's tons of evidence for it in Scripture. And I think it's it's a perfectly legitimate way to study the Scripture and to grow by saying, Lord, help me understand the significance between ain and ace, between ain and the other word that means among or with. Para, there's another word that, that para means with. And para is beautiful, like Paraclete, you know, the one who walks alongside you. Uh, so it's not that any of these are better than the other, it's just that the Spirit of God takes the time, just like when we did the study about cosmos. Jesus didn't come to judge the cosmos, he came to save the cosmos. And the cosmos is pretty much everything that's created. That would be including and a demonstration of the salvation of the cosmos is the new heaven and the new earth. It is the bride coming down from heaven. This is what we're engaged in right now. Right now. Will we see the mystery of the gospel as Christ in those he loves? Now, I, I I worked on that question deliberately because I think it's easy to answer yes. I'm sure that, that, I'm sure there's something, the light that Richard talked about that, that he gleaned from the prologue of John, first chapter, or Paul's testimony that what happened to him on the Damascus Road was not a, not a revelation of Jesus. It was a revelation of Jesus being in him. And when we think back to our own lives, Jesus did not speak to us from outside, most of us, when we came to him. He spoke to us from the inside. We might have heard a message from the outside, but I heard a message from the outside several times before the one on the inside exploded, and I had to respond. And so that work is going on inside. And to distinguish between whether it's Jesus or the Holy Spirit doesn't make any sense anymore or difference to me, because Jesus said, this is the work, Uh uh-uh, that you would believe into the one he sent. But then, in John 14, 15, 16, he said, the Father's going to send the Spirit. Then he said, I'm going to send the Spirit. And he says, then the Spirit's going to be given to you, and and um, he's going to be in you and with you forever. And the very next line is, I won't leave you as an orphan. I'll come to you. Jesus has come to us by his Spirit. His Spirit was poured out, the prophet Joel said, on all flesh. That means that what Jesus did, and then the other thing, I think it's in John 20, I'm not sure, 19 or 20, it's somewhere. It says that Jesus became a life-giving Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Quickens your mortal body. So this Trinity thing, I, I, I have no problem uh, thinking of Jesus as Jesus and Father as Father and the Spirit as Spirit and them as God. But I understand that I don't have a real picture of that. I can't because of the finiteness and the limitations of my own vision. When the Spirit is speaking to you, that's Jesus. Or he's conveying Jesus' words. Just like Jesus said, these words are not my own. They're the father doing his work, not his words in you, in me. This is, so what I want us to do, and the mic's open if we want to need to talk about it or ask questions or whatever. What I want us to do is realize that we don't have to parse this out and make a doctrinal statement about it. We have to figure out, and this is only a start we have to figure out a way to to ask and answer a question or ask a question that elicits an answer. Do I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work on the earth in and with the lives of people everywhere? I personally can say yes to that without any further argument. Because if the Holy Spirit wasn't at least with them, how would they ever stand a chance of responding to the message of the gospel? Because it would be foolishness to them. But because he's been poured out, plus there's all kinds of biblical instances where Cornelius uh, was, was driven by something. I don't think it was the devil, and I don't think it was Mars or Juno or any of the Roman gods. That had to be the Holy Spirit. And there's an indication in the gospel that when Jesus died and rose again, he broke the back of principalities and powers that were the ruling authorities keeping people in blindness and in bondage in the kingdom of darkness and um he's called the savior of all he's called uh i mean the intentions of god are wrapped around this in first uh, second timothy chapter 2 verse 4 it, it says uh a god who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth now i don't think you can discern from that one scripture or the sort of parallel one and so in 2 Peter uh, 2 9, I think it is, or 3 9, where it says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I don't think you can infer solely from those two things that everybody is going to get saved. Um, but you can absolutely infer that God wants everybody to get saved. And He's provided things like the knowledge of the truth and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and repentance so that they can. So that's, again, why I'm not trying to argue this down to a doctrinal level. I'm trying to say, if God wants this to happen, if Jesus died so it would happen, if the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, then we really can begin to align our hearts with this truth. And I think there's a significant reason to do so, because it's going to allow us to see more clearly what is in front of us when we're dealing with people and and being dealt with ourselves. Yeah.
2: So I've been a believer, follower of Jesus for a long time, maybe going on 33 years or something like that. And I've collected a lot of doctrine and words and, you know, scripture in my mind. Um, but it, you know, there's a time for, I think, every believer for it to come from here to here, you know, and experience, um, the Lord. Um, so, my recent experience was in the hospital, mm-hmm. where I just—I uh, think I was consumed in the body of Jesus, <laughs> and I saw him as Jacob. You know, like he's a Israeli man. You know. Oh, cool! <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And uh,
0: <laughs> that's that's cool. <laughs>
2: very cool. And uh, and then the Lord also showed me that the Bible is. The contains all the keys we need. You know, so you can just go grab a key that you need for something in life. Um, But I'm still working through this understanding of Him being in all people, and I think I grabbed a key, I think some of that while I was in the hospital, where I would just see a person and look into their eyes and see Jesus. I could just see that they were so valuable to him, you know. Just He just loved that person so much. And he does that for every person, you know. He does love every baby, every child, right? Mm -hmm. So valuable. And you just see the potential and the beauty in each person. Um... Just kinda overwhelmed my heart with how amazing and beautiful each person is. So I think I can begin to understand now that Jesus is in every person, whether they know it or
0: not. Yeah. And whether or not that's that's able to have this full effect. And yeah. what would its full effect be? Well, its full effect would be we would be like transfigured. We would be living like Jesus glowed on the Mount of Transfiguration and without fear, without anything like that. So the fact that that him being in people doesn't always show up the way we wish it would doesn't mean it's not true. We need to look elsewhere. We can't just look at somebody and judge. And that's why Paul, though, Paul did that in that earlier verse. Let me see if I can go back to it real fast.
2: And I just wondered if that verse, you know, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, uh, Revelation 3.20. Is an opening of a door, you know, for that person to see that Jesus is in them and Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all there at their door, you know, waiting with a feast. For that person. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They not, just
2: need to go. Not oh hey, not you're fail. here. Let
0: me let me call out, you know. It's it's something already done. Hang on just for a second. Okay, so st- just stay there. Okay. So uh for the love of the anointing strangers having reached this judgment, that's the place to make the judgment. That's the place to engage your analysis. That because Christ died for all, all died. Paul says, Don't you know? That when you're baptized into Christ, you're baptized into his death and you're linked into his resurrection. You know, I, that's when the judgments are supposed to be made. Not when we look at somebody and go, I don't know if I see Jesus in them or not when we look at ourselves and go, I acted like an a-hole. I don't know if Jesus is in me. Yeah, he is. You know, he's not probably pleased by it. It's not the thing he grieves his heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's not where you make the judgment. You make the judgment based on what happened. You look historically and you say, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we can become. And it even allows for the process. So why don't we? So that we can become from the inside out. So the Holy Spirit can take all that the Father's given Jesus and bring it to mind to us. And then he makes this little post comment. Oh, and the Father's given everything to me. Okay. So the question I have for you to think about, and if you want to answer it, you can, hmm. about your experience in the hospital mm-hmm. is, did it, did it indicate to you or did it give you an image or an inkling that your heart has a greater capacity to understand than your mind does? Indeed. Yes. So the Absolutely. understanding of our heart is what we're trying to attach to this reality.
2: So much bigger. It's like a universe. Your heart is a
0: universe. So, (laughs) when Paul says, if you do this and you do this and you do this in Philippians, then the uh, peace which passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a kind of peace that our heart can have and a kind of peace that our mind can have. And both can go bigger than understanding. So that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't, when I first said no doctrine necessary here, it sounded risky to say, but it's not risky because, uh, there's no doctrine of things like love. Love is
1: bigger than your mind. Yes, Richard. Uh, n- uh, now that I've seen that, that every, that, He's in all of us. And that re- God revealed that to me years ago through mm-hmm. Burning Man. <clears throat> Paul saw that too mm-hmm. through scripture, mm-hmm. not the New Testament scripture that we have. That's right. But in the Old Testament. And John, which his book was written at the very end of scripture, saw it he so from his perspective, he had this whole life to look back on and wrote all this stuff down about how it was happening and he saw it in scripture and through just experience. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It
0: is. And and, and, and again, that's that's not something that can provide I mean, I I think not the best use of that. I love what you said. But the best use of that is not to say, okay, well, that's just one more line upon line upon line of evidence. That's the kind of thing that makes you go, if it was this way looking back on the Old Testament Scripture, and if it was this way looking forward with a view of Revelation, and it was looking back now at a 90-year life in Christianity, that's just three witnesses that this is the truth. And it's not like it's we've got to deduce the, the core reality of that truth. Jesus said that. He said, in that day you'll know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And I think it's stunning, and I want us to believe it, because the first beneficiary of believing it is going to be ourselves, our own peace, our own security, our own stability in Christ. And the second is going to be the... uh we are people who 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 can now have placed in us the word of reconciliation. And and honestly, guys, uh, unless you've been to Burning Man and experienced something like that, or like I, I I got a glimpse of it up in Salt Lake City when I was there in that heroin shooting den, unless you you go in with a good heart, thinking I'm going to bring Jesus to this place, to this person, and then you. You find out, and it's hard to explain. It's like you experienced with the nurses and stuff. Oh my gosh, he's already here. I'm not bringing him anywhere. I'm looking in your eyes, and I see Jesus in you. And I believe that we can cultivate that vision through humility and belief, faith, faith, and then asking, Lord, will you show me, not for the sake of judgment, But for the sake of illumination and love, will you show me Christ in? Whoever. And if we'll do that, I just think we're in good shape. Any other thoughts, questions, comments? This is worth taking time on. And again, it's not a (laughs) true-false. It's not like we're going to come to the right conclusion by reducing this to a multiple-choice test and then passing. We have to settle in our heart, what is the heart of God like? Has he always worked this way in people, in things? Did he bring life to Adam by breathing in his breath? We just have to wrestle
3: with it and then, and then know it. Yes, sir, Ronnie. A while back, you said a way, a method of evangelism would be to go and see what Christ is doing in somebody Mm -hmm. and try to work with that. Uh huh. I think that's just another, a di- slightly different angle
1: for the of same. saying
3: showing me, show yeah. me Christ in them. Yeah. Cause seeing Christ in them is like, sorry to say it this way, but yeah, yeah. So he's there. But what's he doing with them? And what can we talk to them about for them to recognize?
0: Yeah. He is yeah. doing that in me, which, and I think the way you frame that, that would be an awesome way to evangelize. But I think there's even a way that doesn't require quite as much like you know, I might not be able to hear that because I'm in a dither or whatever the case is. but yeah, you know just I'm distracted or whatever. but what if what if I just cultivate listening to the voice of the Lord and I assume he's doing a work in them? And then when I'm there available to just to be available without having a specific direction, I can all of a sudden hear his voice, and I, I think Richard, you told me some. Was it at breakfast you told me about some word that you gave way back when you were learning that this stuff was real? And uh, I know I had the one I shared. I shared about the we were doing that exercise at Bethel, and some of us were there, and uh, you know it was a prophetic exercise. And the instructor of the class there, and it was in the sanctuary, said, okay, just just uh, close your eyes and ask the Lord to give you something for somebody and highlight them. And man, clear as a bell, I saw a black jeweler's cloth laid out with a big diamond, a big topaz, and a bunch of small diamonds. And I touched the hand of this gal and the worship team who was sitting on the front row, and I said, hey, I've got something for you. And it was easy there because everybody was expecting people to get stuff, right? And I I said, so I don't know if this makes any sense, but I saw a black uh, Jewish cloth with bright lights on it. There was a big diamond, a big topaz, and a bunch of small diamonds. She goes, oh my gosh, you got to stop, stop. She runs up on platform, and she gets her fiancé off the platform and drags him down. She says, you got to hear this, you got to hear this. I told you so, I told you so. And uh, I told the thing, and he goes, wow, wow. Come to find out, they were engaged. Her birthstone was diamond, his was topaz, and he was having... Real misgivings about not feeling like he was going to be accepted and acceptable to her family. And so that picture of diamond, little diamond surrounding it and the topaz, you know, simple stuff. I had no idea. All I'm saying is I love and I believe what, what the way you framed it. But even if it doesn't have all that kind of detail right at first, we can just assume because of the nature of God and what Jesus has promised that he's working in
3: people. The assuming part of it is now how I look at Scripture. Yeah. I assume that God loves me. And that's a huge change for yeah, me. Sure, yeah, okay? sure. I assume that He loves me. So if I see something in Scripture that doesn't seem to match up with that, yeah, I assume I'm not understanding it right. Those are legitimate okay? assumptions. And yeah. that's... And we, and we don't have to way.
0: reject anything. We don't have to turn away from Scripture or anything like that. Yeah, just, that just that no. means
3: I just then need to dig in more to figure out what I might have been, uh, been taught earlier or what I assume, what I incorrectly assumed mm-hmm. to try to come more in line with God loves me. Absolutely. And so this assumption is we bring... I said I'd make it quick, didn't I? We bring our ideas to, to what we read. <laughs> Right, yeah, and if we change our assumption or our very our premise, then we see different things in scripture,
0: right. I think if we change our assumption, we see different things in people too, in other words, if you assume that God's working in people's lives in from inside out, you're gonna be more tuned to see the signs of that the the hints of that, yeah, Tony
4: uh today, I had a really interesting experience um I was muscle testing somebody. And uh, she was really in a lot of pain, and so uh, g- getting frequencies and stuff for her pain. And at first, uh, I got real upset, you know, kind of tense, like, "Is this is this working? Is what are, what are we doing?" And the Holy Spirit was so gracious, and He said, "Don't you think I love her? Oh, well, wow. you know, don't don't you think I want what's best for her? Yeah." And through a series, he said, I want you to go here and look at this page and I want you to get that frequency and I want you to do this. And,
0: uh. But loving and wanting the best set the yes, context.
4: Set the context yeah. for me to relax, for not, uh, for me to perform, for me to be able to yield to him and say, yeah, I, yeah, you do. And so, what have you got for her? What What is your purpose for her?
0: It changes fr- reframes the whole conversation, the whole question. It, yeah. it
4: reframed my performance. It reframed me having to have an outcome. It reframed all of that yeah. because I could actually just sit and relax and say, "So, what do you want to do?" And so he showed me, and it really turned out very well. Her, that's cool. Yeah, her pain came down from a ten to a two.
0: Wow, that's and good. Just I think we're going to get amazing. into healing and see this a yes. lot. Uh, it's the same thing. Like We're making some good assumptions about healing. We're assuming that God wants people healed. But I don't know if we assume that He is currently working in them to be healed or if present in them to be healed. And so it, it means rethinking some of the things like, you know, is there something blocking it? Is there unforgiveness? These kind of things. Uh, it, it's just a different way to think and live rather than trying to manufacture all of my faith based around my own priestly believership or authority or something like that. I'm in this with you, Jesus. And I know you love them, and you're doing a work in them. I I don't exactly know what it is, and I don't know where on the journey of that work my intersection with their life is, but if you'll show me, or if you'll just give me a hint of something... I'll go ahead and make the assumption and we'll see what happens. And I think that's how you see miracles happen.
2: I have been recently under a lot of, I think, this idea that I need to go preach the gospel. It's almost this heavy thing. And I don't, I don't know what to do with that. But it feels like, it feels like an obligation kind of thing. And I refuse to get back under that. Yeah. Because I have no fruit, but I know that there would be more fruit if I were to approach people with
0: this, this understanding. understanding. Yeah, from this place, I agree. I would encourage okay. you not to let that pressure come back, yeah. but not to dismiss the desire to pop up. Whatever you're doing, I want to do it. Show me some people you're doing something in their life, and let me do it with them yeah. or do it with you.
2: Yeah. So yeah. starting back, I don't. I don't know quite where to start from but other than just maybe come back to that under or that experience i had of um jesus's love papa's love you know just he's just so enamored with each person mm-hmm. start there and then what are you saying, Lord, you know, what do yeah. you want me to do? Yeah, I'm not at all uh, saying what are that you because... Doing? But this conversation is really helping
0: lift that. I'm not at all suggesting that because we can somehow know that God is already working in somebody's life, that we can take a passive role and not get out there and, and engage with Him. But I do think we can engage with them. So, yeah, Richard.
1: Uh, Janet, this might help you. When I My experience from uh, Burning Man... Before Burning Man, I felt like I had to go and get Jesus in the conversation. Um, After Burning Man, I realized he's already there. I don't need to bring Jesus. All I need to be is obedient to Christ and what he wants to do in this particular situation. So all I need to do, if it's just a touch... Or a speaking uh, encouragement, or or whatever it is, I know that God is already there working on them and working with them. So I'm just participating with Him in whatever He's doing. Mm-hmm. And if it's the opportunity to share Jesus with them, then I can do that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 more of listening to what God wants to do, and it's just a walking in. The that Spirit. was what I was uh, yeah. waiting Just listen and look. And and
0: trust that the Lord is going to let you see it, but it it's already going on. That's the thing that this message is. Amen. About.
1: Yeah. One Very of true. the I, I I was listening to uh, Brad Jursak today, and he he made a statement. Uh, this is concerning penal substitution, mm-hmm. and he was talking to a um, Orthodox bishop, Eastern Orthodox bishop. And he asked him about penal you know, substitution. He says, "Do you believe that?" He says, "Well, no, but I wanted your opinion." He says, "Well, that's that's the um, god of Moloch." And I go, "Wow!" And I said, "And and so it just it there's another reason why that penal substitution thing is is not even valid." It's not in the ballpark, yeah. Yeah, it's just um, if you're going to. Offer your children up as sacrifice, as and 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 also, um, when they were doing that, offering children up to Molech, God said, That was never in my mind, and I never told them to do that. Yeah, yeah. and why would he do that to his own son? Amen. Yeah.
0: May his favor be upon you and your family. And your children to a thousand <laughs> generations and their children and their children. That's who God is. And He's He's working. So redemption is already working in the world, in the person of the Holy Spirit, in people. And Jesus is in them and the Father lives in Him. He says, but they're also seated in the throne and Jesus is by His right hand and we're seated with Him. I don't understand how it works. And I'm none trying to make... Uh, sufficient doctrinal expressions of them that, that I can persuade everybody. One of the things I'm trying to repent of is, is explaining things so many ways in an effort so that you cannot possibly misunderstand me. But about an infinite thing like this that is fundamentally spiritual at its core and, and requires God Almighty to pull it off, obviously I'm not going to be able to create a box that makes it easier to understand. But what it says is, In that day you'll know. And this is what I want us to do. I want us in varying ways and varying degrees, everybody here and everybody we touch at Joyland and everybody that's here on Zoom, I want us to know, because we live in that day, I want us to know that Jesus is in his Father and that we're in him and he's in us. Amen? Okay, cool. Good discussion. Father, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you for, for what who you are and what you are driven to do by who you are. I thank you that you are love and that you are light and that you are consuming fire and that you are love in double dose. And we, rather than trying to doctrinize those things, we would like, a oh Lord and I think you would like to do it, we would like to explore it with you. We would like to discover you in the world around us, in the people around us, and we would like to discover you in fresh and new ways in our own hearts. And so I just ask that we can do that, and that you would be glorified in it. And Jesus, you said that, uh, that we can ask what we will, and it will be done because the Father is glorified if you bear much fruit. And I don't even know how trees produce fruit. Tell you the truth, I mean, I can, I can sketch out the scientific progress as I watch it happen, from a blossom to a bud to a piece of fruit. But I don't know how it happens, I and mean, who knows how it happens. I ask that you would reveal the eagerness to trust to us at Joyland, and that we could experience the fruit.